0: Mark chapter 2, open your bulletin, if you will, your iPad, iPhone, your Bible, whatever you've got. I pray that you've got multiple copies of scripture and you're engaging with it. If you do not have a Bible and you've never had a Bible, we have free Bibles back in the Connect Center. We would love to give you one as you leave here today. We believe God's word is true for all people of all places of all times. We believe that the truth of God's scripture does not have an expiration date, and uh, it's alive. It's, uh, it's, it's alive to us today. Yes. Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, when Jesus had come back to Capernaum. Capernaum was kind of the, the local place where Jesus uh, would do the majority of his ministry, if, if you will. It was a little fishing village in Galilee, And Jesus would, those three years of his earthly ministry, when he was feeding and and, uh, raising the dead and doing much of his ministry, Capernaum was kind of his home base. It was heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum. He was back home. Verse 2, many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the stretcher on which the paralytic was lying. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way, said, which is easier to say? Is it easier to say to the paralytic, your, son, or your sins are forgiven, or to get up, pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. So he got up and immediately he picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone. They were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I want to get into uh, just observations, but before I do, I want you just to ponder one thought. When Jesus looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven, that's a powerful statement. And I think oftentimes we kind of skip through the scripture at times. When Jesus looks and says, take up your pallet and walk, that statement cost him his breath. That statement cost him his breath. Get up and walk. But the statement of your sins are forgiven would cost him the very essence of his life. In order for his sins to be forgiven, it would include that Jesus must be crucified and the blood of the Lamb of God must be spilled out to atone for sin. Very powerful observation when you start to jog through even this passage in Mark. Your sins be forgiven. What a powerful statement that Jesus would offer that to us today. Forgiveness of sin. When I stood there doing that funeral yesterday, Eric, my friend, came to faith in Christ this past fall, and he had received the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. So as I stood there looking at this class of 1980 and many other friends and family, I knew where he was based on receiving forgiveness of sin. That's the most powerful thing we'll ever receive in our life. Now, back to the text. When you observe the text, I want to draw your attention to two groups. The first group I want to look at is the crowd. The crowd. It says right here in the text that many were gathered together. There was no more room, not even near the door, and Jesus was speaking the word to them. Now, stop for a second. Why did the crowd show up? You ever thought about that? There was a crowd that had gathered. Jesus had launched his public ministry, and many were hanging out. Why did the crowd show up? And I think about that oftentimes on a Sunday morning, whether it be here at the cross or whatever church across our nation or across our world. Why does the crowd show up? Is it out of admiration? Is it out of fascination? He's kind of a cool rabbinical teacher. He's done a few miracles here and there. Was it so that they could gain better information? Why does the crowd show up? And I'm going to drive some stakes in the ground with you today. Here's what we know. We don't know the why. We just know the what. They showed up and based on the text, they were not willing to move out of the way and get out of the way for four dudes and a guy on a stretcher. That's what we know. The crowd was made up of people and people hindered access to jesus the text says being unable to get to him because of the crowd and i think about this in the local church at times there's a lot of people that confess christ with words but do not profess christ with their behavior and they become part of the crowd their attitude their actions their alcoholism Their apathy, their lifestyle, they become part of the crowd that they're blocking access to Jesus. One of the dudes that was at this memorial yesterday, he looked at my wife and I, Barb and I, before we left, and he said, I I, I tried to talk to Eric years ago about God. Then he pauses and says, but I'm really not a good Christian. I was drinking with him. I was partying with him. I was out where he was, but I was trying to talk to him about God. St. Francis would say, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. What he was doing spoke so loud that Eric would never hear what he had to say. So I have to ask the question, and I would challenge you to ask yourself the question, have I become part of the crowd Is my my life and language and the way I do life day in and day out, do I just become part of the crowd? Do I block people from really being able to see Jesus? Am I standing in the way? Am I willing to get out of the way? Am I willing to become part of the way that people can find access to Jesus? Think about that in the local church. I refuse to give. I refuse to serve. I refuse to share. I refuse to take part. Are you part of the crowd? Am I part of the crowd? Am I willing to stay in the crowd? Then you see the next group in the text that we would call the committed. It says, and being unable to get to him. Stop, stop, stop. Being unable to get to him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the four guys that were carrying the stretcher. And being unable to get to Jesus, they decided to call it a day. They just went back home and said, maybe we'll have better luck next week. Being unable to get to Jesus, they said, this ain't worth it. Being unable to get to Jesus, they just said, well, I guess he'll just die in the condition that he's in. That's not what the text says. And I think oftentimes we stop and we quit and we don't engage and we don't pursue. Being unable to get to Jesus... These cats crawled up on a roof and they drug this stretcher on the roof. And the scripture says they removed the roof above Jesus. They dug a hole in the opening. They let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Jesus looked up and you know what he saw? He saw four guys that were deeply concerned and moved to action. He saw four guys that saw beyond the obvious. He saw four guys who were willing to risk something that hadn't been done. These guys hadn't read the four spiritual laws. These guys hadn't been to seminary. These guys were convinced of one thing. If we can get our friend to Jesus, if we can just get our friend in the presence of Jesus, we believe something can happen. We believe something can happen with this dude. Now, what they were hoping for was the physical and they didn't see the spiritual coming. But what they did teed up an opportunity for their friend to experience the supernatural. Now, I think about this. We encounter every day those who are paralyzed spiritually. We encounter those every day that are suffering from spiritual paralysis. Some of the conversations on this last trip, it blows my mind. Speaking with a 21-year-old kid that is signed with the Red Sox. As an 18-year-old guy, he got about $800,000 to sign. And this kid has blown it, has wasted it. This kid... He, he, he has blown through all of his money. He's 18 years old, and the Red Sox release him. We ain't got room for you right now. We don't want you around. Alcoholism, pill addiction, different things that this kid had gone through. And we sat down and had a conversation with this young kid. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, what is up with your story right now? And he just gets out of a three-month faith-based rehab. He's been introduced to the gospel and he's starving for direction. Mom and dad were divorced. His dad is deceased. And the kid was given all this money and fame and popularity and opportunity and temptation at the age of 18. And you pour it into a blender and give it to an 18-year-old and ask him to drink it and see what the results are. He has been paralyzed spiritually And we started to engage and we opened up the word and started to talk to him. You've got those people around you every day. Conversations on the plane. Where you at? What's your story? There's teed up opportunities of paralyzed lives spiritually, emotionally, mentally all around us. And am I taking advantage to share the good news of the gospel with them? You've got to think about that. These guys in this text were motivated to radical faith. They were motivated to do something. Here's the fallacy in the church oftentimes. A person will be struggling, whether it be physically, financially, something going on in their life, and they'll come before the church or they'll come before you and... appreciate you sharing your story. I'll be praying for you. These guys didn't pray for their friend. They did something. They engaged in the game. They were willing to get dirty. They were willing to take risks. And I'm all for prayer. And I think prayer is a very powerful weapon that God's given us. But oftentimes we sit around and we don't engage. They took the effort. They picked this dude up. They carried this dude. They sawed a hole in the roof. They screwed up a house. (laughs) Read the text. Read the text. Their faith. Had feet. Their faith had feet in action. The crowd wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. The four committed dudes wanted to get to who Jesus was. I'm not satisfied with hanging with a group of people that just want to hear what he has to say. That just needs a little more information, and education. I want to hang with people that are willing to press into the heart of Jesus. Yeah, we, we've got to get to him. Why? Because what he has to say will inform you, but getting to who he is will transform you. If you ever meet him in the fullness of who he is, it will radically transform your life. I love the text, being unable to get to him, being unable to get to him. They did not permit and empower their circumstances to be the trump card in what was about to happen. We got to do something. Do you feel that urgency in your soul? Do you look around your family, around your friends, around Loganville and beyond? Do you feel the urgency? Risk takers do not look at the obvious. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Risk takers don't just take the obvious, they look beyond the obvious and say, what is an alternate route maybe we need to take to accomplish this assignment? If you're always looking for the easy way in and the easy way out, you'll find it. But if we're going to live by radical faith, sometimes we've got to be willing to remove the roof to see redemption take place in a person's story. Jesus applauded and awarded Their faith, I like how that text ends, they were all amazed, all amazed, and they were all glorifying God. Who was all? The crowd was amazed, and the crowd began to glorify God because four nameless somebodies were willing, were willing to step out in faith and do the radical. You want to be a part of the crowd, or you want to be a part of the committed? You want to be known as just a member of the crowd or do you want to be known as a person who is radically committed? We here at the Cross Loganville believe that God is calling us into a season that we call the next chapter. If this is your first time here, this is a great day for you to be here. It's an exciting time in the history of our church where God is taking us. We believe that we stand at a crossroads right now as a church and it is a very, very crucial time as we move. Into the future. We believe that we stand at a crossroads in our nation's history, and it's very, very crucial of where this thing is about to go. We know with all the madness of the upcoming political election, and so many of us have gotten sick and tired of Fox and CNN that we don't want to watch it anymore, but we know that our nation is in desperate need of help. We know that we live in a church age now that has become so cute and minimizing and trivializing the gospel that it's become so watered down that people are not finding hope even in the church. We must be the church of Jesus Christ, who's not ashamed of the gospel going forward, wherever we're at, whoever we're with. We must stand strong in this world and proclaim a message that's counterculture to what the the postmodernism people are teaching. We must reach the next generation. We must be proactive. I'm looking for the committed to crawl on the roof with a few saws so that we can get people to Jesus. Anybody there? Check out this video. How cool is that? How cool. You know, God led us here, and we started full time. I did as lead pastor in January of 2011. And one of the things God put on our hearts when we got here was you must be strategic in creating a discipleship culture. The previous regime was built on sizzle. God was calling us to build one on substance. That the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ would be center focus of everything that we would do. And so we came in and it was like, you've got to be organic. You've got to be reverent and raw and authentic. You've got to be transparent. You've got to share the story. When we got here, there was a lot of chaos going on in this church. We started to see the culture change. We started to see health start to take place. We saw John 15 become a living reality that pruning started to take place in this fellowship. God started bringing healthy people in. Even this year, we've already baptized over 25 people. We knew God was getting us in a position where we would see sustaining growth take place as we moved into the future. As you watch the video, 2015 was a powerful year. 2014 was powerful, but as we look at 15, we look at the back-to-school event. We had so many kids and families that were providing backpacks and doing physicals and dental screenings, and I mean, we're giving backpacks and free oil changes to these single moms and all this stuff. It's like we're going to infiltrate the life of these families. Our Fall Fest, 2,500 people show up on the campus. Uh, We're feeding people at Thanksgiving. This is a proactive church that's moving in a healthy direction. We established that we would reach people, teach people, train people, and send people into the world. We also established that we would be a church that emphasized that true life would be done in circles and not in rows. Looking at the back of someone's head is not the way you do life. Getting in a small group and doing heart to heart life exchange would be where authentic body life would take place. Come on. And so something is happening at the cross. Something's been happening here at the cross and we've seen so many new families added We did the census back in November where we asked people to put down. How long have you been coming here? Zero to 12 months one or two years three to five years, whatever It's amazing how much new blood and new life has come onto this campus even in the last 24 months and like something's happening baptisms are happening growth is happening people are getting involved involved in missional opportunities there's a lot of things happening here but let me share this with you as i look at where we're at over the last five years i realize this we have a problem we have a problem when we're going to fix the problem because that's what god's called us to do but as i look at the problem that exists on this campus from the time i got here i had limited resources i'll hit that but right now The only classroom space I have for kids is to my right and to my left. Now, it's crazy if you were to walk that little hall and that little hall, you would say, that's all the classroom space you've got. One of the guys on my finance team, Chris Clanton, we were talking a while back and as we started looking around the campus, he goes, that's all you got? And I'm like, it's all we've got. It's not all we're going to have, but it's all we got right now. And we started looking. A few weeks ago, I had 24 kids over in this small little classroom that were all four-year-old kids. 24. We're stacked on top of each other. Look like a can of sardines. And I'm saying, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. We've got to do something. We don't have enough space. And staying where we are is never okay. I'll paint it out. When I got here in 2011 we looked at what is up with this church and i've told you god said if i call you there i'll cover you don't worry about it but it's going to be a grind when we got here at this church five plus years ago this church was seventy thousand dollars behind on its mortgage it wasn't even current on its mortgage there was 5.8 million dollars of debt on this property i'm like wow Can I tell you, in five years, working with Steve, our finance team, and our elders and staff, we have shaved $892,000 off the stinking debt that was here. Why? God started showing us that he was going to lead us into a new future. We believe that God is a debt eliminator. Did you hear me? We believe that when we come to faith in Jesus, and we bow before the cross of Christ, and the shed blood of Christ is applied to us. I believe that my debt, sin debt, has been canceled out once and for all. Past, present, and future sin dealt with. We believe God is a debt eliminator. We don't believe God desires for his people to live in debt. I share with this church multiple times, and I want you to hear it. I will not lead this church in any direction that I will not lead my personal family. Barb and I, to this day, 25 years in marriage, we've never paid an interest payment on a credit card. We don't give our money away in debt. When we first got married, living in Warsaw, Indiana, we bought a house for $39,000. Not really high-end house. You see people spending much more than that on motorcycles today in Winnebago's. But it was a house that we could afford. We knew that you had to obtain a lifestyle that you could maintain and sustain so that you didn't put yourself in paralysis going forward. We're not going to do that. We're not going to incur debt. We don't believe God wants us to do that. And so as we looked at the church and what was existing at the cross at the time, we were like, God's calling us to clean it up. We've got to get healthy and then we'll thrust into the future. So we're committed to solving the problem of what our issues are here. Just like five years ago, we had to leave here so that we could get there. One of the keys in vision. Here was debt. Here was chaos. Here was limited uh, opportunity really to have any resources designated to reach people with the gospel. Five years later, we're in a place that we made some great strides. But we've got to go for We've got to go forward. We've got to have risk takers. We've got to have people that are committed. Let me share with you what I really want to do. God's given us a mission and a vision and a passion and a plan to go into the future. God's given us a plan to reach Loganville, to teach the word, to train up an army, to send out people representing the good news of the gospel to Loganville and beyond. We've got a plan. So you saw on the video, there's this plan that we've got for an athletic field. Many of you, when you drive onto this campus, you just see a grassy field over to my right. I mean, it just sits there, and it's been sitting there since I got here. One of the things I wanted to do when I got on this campus, and Jim and others will tell you, I wanted to build a sports field. We don't have any money, and I wasn't going to march this church into debt, but one of the things I want to do is I want to build an athletic field right here to my right, 150-yard by about 80-yard athletic field. When I look at that mud and that grass, I don't see mud and grass, I see Hundreds upon hundreds of little kids running and kicking balls and throwing balls. I see parents sitting around in lawn chairs I see soccer happening t-ball practice happening flag football happening I see a stake in field filled with people that are longing for hope that will find it in Jesus Christ I see a team of volunteers here that are rallying together saying we're into the game Why Tim? Why an athletic field? probably selfishly but I'm trying to reach me when I was 10. I didn't go to church. I wasn't taught the gospel. But if you would have rolled a ball out on a field and invited me to come, I would have been there. We did a basketball camp this past summer. We had 70 kids. Some of those kids are coming to church here now. Trevor's built relationships. Some of those kids went to Snowbird last week with our youth. How did they get on the campus? We just built some basketball goals. And these kids show up. And Trevor and others are building rapport with these kids. And they're shooting hoops. Antonio is like, man, I'm in. I want to do more of this. I want to do more of it. We had John Smoltz inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame last year. Ned Yost, he led the Kansas City Royals to the World Series and World Championship last year. We had Terry Pendleton, three-time gold glove MVP, we had those guys here doing a coach's clinic with baseball. Do you know how many more relationships that we have, those guys will come here? Don't you want to see hundreds of kids have an opportunity to be exposed to the gospel? I want to be a part of that. So I refuse, I will declare to you as your lead pastor, and you've seen us work for the last five years. I refuse to be a part of the crowd. I will be a part of the committed. We will build a sports field. One of the things we're going to have to have is more classroom space. I see over these next few years about another 10,000 square feet behind me that can be designated for children and students state of the art that will absolutely kick butt so that when these little kids and families come on this campus, they're being taught the word of God. They've got a user-friendly facility where they're excited and amped up to be here. I'm so pumped to think that two years down the road, that families will not drive to the gym, which is 200 yards away. The geniuses of yesterday, they built that, not me. But we're not going to take our kids 200 yards up the road, drop them off and try to get here. We're going to have facilities right here where we can reach people. People have said, so you build stuff like that. It's only used three or four hours a week. No, 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 no. We've got a preschool that operates Monday through Friday. Anything we've got is a multi-purpose building. We've got a gym. They play basketball in it. We do our student ministries there. We do weddings in it. We do back-to-school events in it. Everything we've got is multi-purpose We'll yank chairs out of here and feed people if we have to. Whatever it takes to reach Loganville and beyond, we're going to do it. When I got here five plus years ago, the entire missional budget that was designated was $18,000. All of that money went to one person. I looked at a church that had an operational budget of $1.15 million. And I looked at that church and I said, all right, based on the church where it's been and the budget, 18000 only? That's like one, that, that, that's like one one-hundredth of the budget that you're designating the missions? So where is the money going? Who is it going to? Is it being used to reach people, teach people, train people, and send people out into this world? Can I tell you something? Over the last five years, we've increased that number to $120,000. This past year, we upped it. Going into this year, our budget will be $120,000. What are you saying? Going into the future, we're going to raise it more. When these kids come to me and want to go to Mexico, want to go to the Dominican, want to go on a missional trip, I want to be able to look at that kid and say, how much is the trip? Tim, it's 1200 Tell you what I do. I'll do with you. You've got to have skin in the game. You're going to have to work some, but I will match every dollar you do because I want to see you and our church wants to see you have that opportunity to get out there and experience the world. It's impossible to be satisfied with existence once you've tasted purpose. And there was people that believed in me, that came alongside me, that helped me. People look at the project and say, hey, is it going to change who we are? No, it will enhance who we are. This thing ain't going to change us. Made the observation years back that money will never determine the message that we preach at the cross. It just might determine how many people we get to preach that message to. The message is defined. It's the word of God. We're not going to back off of it. One of the other things we're really passionate about is coming alongside other churches in an area around us who maybe are hurting. We don't believe you need more churches, we believe you need stronger churches. And so our heart here at the cross is not to have satellite campuses, that's not us. We wanna find those churches that have been hurting, churches that are going through a tough time, churches that maybe just need a little love and care. That's who we are, that's what we wanna push. Other churches can have satellite campuses, great, but that's not who the cross is. We wanna find churches like the River of Mercy that we can come alongside of and say, We know it's been a tough time for you, but we want to help you with resources and time and personnel. We want to see you get back on your feet so that you can start reaching people with the gospel. I don't want to see 50 churches closed. I want to be a part of a movement that comes alongside and strengthens those hurting churches. Anybody want to be a part of that? I believe God is calling us to live with urgency. Did you you hear that? I believe as much today if not more today than ever before that people that die without Jesus will spend eternity alienated and separated from Jesus and will spend an eternity in hell. But I don't believe anybody has to go there. I believe that every person should be given the opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel. The Cross Loganville our staff our finance team, our elders, we're committed to seeing that happen. We're going to take some risk. Jesus calls us to put feet to our faith. Now, here's the reality. What is it going to require? It's going to require all of us to take part in it. We're going to generate over the next two years an additional 1.6 million. Is it doable? It's very doable. I mean, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Every dollar that we need for this project is here. It just happens to be in accounts and wherever. We're going to liquid. We're going to free up. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to get that done. We're going to do a two-year financial initiative. And I'm big time into it. And so is our staff and our elders and our finance team, I, I, I'll, I'll get to that. But we believe that God wants us to move into the, freedom, uh, to the future with a debt-free approach. Makes sense. I learned something big time when we started building this kitchen here on this campus. Steve and I and our team got together. and It's like, man, we really want to have a kitchen so that we can feed people. But we kind of built as the money came in. Do you know that it took us longer to build the kitchen than it did Noah to build the ark? (laughs) That thing lost momentum. That thing lost traction. We were waiting for money to come in and for free volunteer. We're not doing that. No, 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 no. We're going to have the money in hand. We're going to be debt-free, and we're going to attack the future so that we can reach people with the gospel. That's what we're going to do. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what our staff is about. You'll be getting some stuff at the very end of our time. It's going to cost about 800000 for a new building and for the sports field. 800, 800000 Can I tell you something? These are metal buildings. It's not like we're trying to build the ivory tower here. I mean, we're not trying to build some $12 million. We we can make a dollar stretch at the cross Loganville. When God gave me the name cash, it, it meant stretch it, brother, stretch it. People said, I've had people say that to me, man, your last name cash, man, that's a cool name. You must come from a cool family. Broke is a joke. Half of our own welfare. Somebody lied way back. If no man s to open means your name is your destiny. Somebody, man, was wishing, right? They had pulled a four-leaf clover and they're like, what's up? You know, one of the things we want to do is we generate and move into the future, we want to eliminate another 600000 as we move forward off of our debt. There's going to be a lot of cool bonuses and perks that happen as a result of where we're going. I want to up our missional budget from one twenty to 200000 I want to see a supporting... And, and being able to rally around more mission groups. When I got here, we added the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. I wanted to come, uh, come alongside that lady and that team of ladies who were trying to intervene with girls who were pregnant out of wedlock and offer hope. We started partnering with the Fish, Faith in Serving Humanity. And Cindy and what these uh, guys are doing here in, uh, in Walton County. We wanted to come alongside and help you with what God's calling you to do to provide food and, and provide clothing and other resources that we could help people. We started supporting Richie Vallette in the Dominican Republic. We started supporting the Esposito's who are doing a lot of work with YWAM and even down in Mexico. One of our own girls, Hannah Pickens, who's with YWAM right now in South Africa. We wanted to come alongside and help that girl where she would have this missional opportunity. I want to expand what we're doing missional. Do you hear me talking? Again, when I got on the plane the other day and I'm flying back and I'm like, man, we've got to be engaged in reaching people with the gospel. And I want to give some of our kids that opportunity to go out and see the world. How are you going to do it? Again, we're in. Staff, elders, Barb and I are in. I shared with you at the end of the year that as we started looking back over our finances for 2015, this ain't bragging, I'm just going to lay out where we're at and what we're going to do. But as we started looking at that, we've always tried to obtain a lifestyle that would be easy to maintain. And so we looked over our finances off of the gross income of what we made last year. And it was like we gave away about 19% or returned or released back to kingdom work 19% of what we made. All right, sweet. We started at 10% when we got married and we've been able to climb. So where are you going with this financial initiative? Where are you going, Tim? Over the next two years, I will commit to this. We will up our giving 80% over the next two years. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I believe that the hope for the people of Loganville and beyond is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to ask you to put skin in the game, I want you to know I'm diving in with you. I want to go deeper and I want to be all that I can for the kingdom. Is it going to stretch you? Yeah. Is it worth it? Put a price tag on a soul. Put a price tag on a soul. Put a price tag on reaching somebody. Put a price tag in engaging in the game. Put a price tag on it. And so we're all in. And that's where we're going to be going. I want to challenge you to do something. We're going to wrap it up with some time of prayer. And then Nick and the band are going to come back. And we're going to just spend time in communion and prayer. What, what is God telling you? I'm going to challenge you to press into that. Starting tomorrow with some of our staff and others. I've challenged them. Let's press into God. Let's seek God. Let's pray. Let's sniff carpet fresh. Let's get on our face and let's really cry out to Jesus. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to start a three-day liquid fast. You're more than welcome to join me. But we're going to be spending time in prayer. We're going to be crucifying the flesh and we're going to be pressing into the Holy Spirit to say, where are you leading us and what are you wanting us to do? I would encourage you, press into God, seek his face and go, what are you calling me to do? So it's all, it's, it's going to be about giving and it's going to be about serving and it's going to be about getting skin in the game. Can I tell you, I have no greater joy in my journey than knowing that God has allowed me to be a part of seeing transformation stories take place around me. When I look at you, Richard, and I look at you, Amber, and look at your family and I'm like, man, you just baptized that whole crew the other day. And I get to be a part of transformation stories. I get to be a part of standing in a funeral yesterday knowing that dude gave his life to Christ. And I was able to walk with that dude his last four months of his life that he could walk into the kingdom redeemed because he had come. I have no greater joy than that. And so it's going to cost us. But I'm not willing to be a part of the crowd any longer. Are you?